Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I don't like blood and guts But I love them when they're lengthily discussed Well, it's 2024. 2024. Now, how can we change that into something like, um, you know, scary? 2020 gore. gore. Uh, plenty, plenty gore. <laughs> plenty, plenty gore. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, with Gorley and Russ. Speaking of gore, I'm the gore in Gorley and Rust, Matt Gorley. And speaking of Rust, I'm the Paul Rust of Rust. Rust is really just metal blood. Ooh, dried I like that. It's blood. dried metal blood. Yeah. Even when um, blood, um, you know, sort of cakes and gets, they, they, they often say a rust colored blood stain was found on the necktie. It's always found <laughs> on a necktie, yeah. I've, I've noticed. I guess because a lot of uh, movie murder injuries happen around the neck. <laughs> Most often, I mean, yeah. yeah, slit throats and such. That's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, now, Matt, I had something that uh, I wanted to um, share, and you know, probably we can share it. You know, perhaps when we get to the movie that we discuss. But yeah. I think it's important just to do it now, if that's okay. Sure. <laughs> okay. Please do. It's about the movie we're covering today, my friend. Oh. You might have uh, heard of it before. I love it so far. You might even be familiar with this. Oh, this is good. Hold on. I, I'm, I'm wondering. <laughs> the scariest saxophone in all of pop music. Well, maybe the scariest spoof you're about to hear, oh, my friend. Oh, wait, I was buying this. He'll only come out at night. <laughs> 
Francis Dollar Hyde. A killer who's new. I've seen him and he's scary. Watch him with blind girls. Family home videos with the tooth fairy. Will Grammy wants to see who the killer just might be. Played by Willie Peterson, and he's our guy. <laughs> you might know him as the guy from the show CSI. <laughs> uh, what? Watch out, boy, he'll chew you up. Oh, here he comes. He's a man hunter. Oh, my God, and he will chew you up. Oh, here he comes. Watch out. Uh, here comes Hannibal. Oh, here he comes. He's a man eater, is he not? Okay, oh. that's it. That's it. Paul, that's up there. In, in for On every level, in the top five moments for me of this podcast. Thank you. It was, it was in earnest what you created. It was your off-the-cuff performance that was somehow polished without being too... Honed? Well, that opening was a little bit of a challenge when the music dropped out. I think that was a, oh a, a scary God. moment there for all of us. Well, if you're just joining us as a listener for the first time, you're, this is a good oh, one. Oh, I bet, because maybe the man heads are coming out. The man, the Michael they, man heads and the man hunter heads. Michael man hunter. Yeah. Michael man hunter heads. Michael man hunter. Because uh, they are... Strong, yeah. and we'll introduce uh, somebody later who is also part of the Man That's Clan. Right. We That's got, another we good got way a to founding member of the Man Clan. The Man today. Fan. We'll get clan. to that in a bit. The Man Fan Clan. They're strong. I think they're like one of the biggest kind of. Um, I, I don't mean in, in number, I just mean in passion as yeah. far as like filmmakers, people being yeah. de uh, devoted to. So I consider myself a casual member. I will talk about this, I'm sure, but I have some. Some favorites in the man canon. The Manon? The, the Manon, Michael Manon the canon? Manon. Oh, boy. Uh, Pump the yeah. man breaks. I think there's a man for everyone. Mr. Mr. Right. Mr. Man for everyone. I mean, do you think, do you have a man favorite? Well, I think behind every great man uh -huh. movie is yeah. a great M Michael Mann woman. A Michelle woman. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I do have a favorite man. Is that what you asked? Yeah. Do you want to tease it and then we'll save the conversation for when our guest is with Yeah, us. I got a favorite man. I have it in my head. Tease, tease. Okay. We'll share it later. Okay, sounds good. So uh, this is with Gorley and Russ. It's a podcast where we often go at length and uh, it's a cozy cast, which means it's just easy listen where we talk about the least cozy of all things, horror. No, not the least cozy, often very cozy. If you're a listener, you know why. You can find out more on our Patreon at with patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. I'm bringing this up today especially because on there you can find film commentary episodes, mailbag episodes, cozy tournaments, vid bits, discord, discussion community. You get your name shouted out if you subscribe at the baby xenomorph level. You can live stream or live scream this, which people are right now. Are they? Are they in? Did there's I do people it wrong? in. I think okay, good. Um, Hello. Look, 
we're in the middle of a flux right now because our recording facility is in in all kinds of uh, upheaval due to construction projects. And that segues me into a, a minor announcement here where due to circumstances here at my home and situations with my family, nothing bad, but just a time we're going through right now, um, we're in for the time being for the foreseeable future for the free feed. This does not accept the uh, affect the Patreon. We're going to go to every other week episodes. My friend Paul is very gracious in allowing that to happen. We wanted to do something that wouldn't take away from those who have supported us in the Patreon feed. But um, I, I I appreciate any understanding just because it's I wouldn't be doing it be, if I didn't have to because God knows I love sitting down with my friend Paul and talking at length about these things. So uh, hopefully uh, down the road, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit whether that's the right schedule for us or not. But for now, it'll just be every other week. We're not going to, you know, cut any seasons in half necessarily or anything like that. We'll still yeah. do the same amount of things and the yeah. same plan schedule coming up. It'll just be doled out a little bit more over time and, um, Really appreciate the understanding for that. Of course, going uh, into too much detail. Of but, course, buddy. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's. Um, uh, I was thinking about it. Like, what is more cozier than the uh, looking out for self care and family care? Oh, thank you. And then double cozy, talking about it with a bud. I hear you, buddy. Figuring life out, it's good because this this cozy brings my toes where I suppose they chose to be well and you're smelling like a rose oh uh uh okay so i let me see is that all the business we've got for today um i believe it is oh there was one fun uh detail we wanted to share about the uh uh patreon the discord oh, yes. is alive and well and uh our premier top of the line research brantley palmer he uh, puts together these great notes. He does actual research. He goes and he looks up information that you go, holy cow, Wikipedia and IMDb has been steering me wrong all these years. And boy, have they. With some legit uh, research, with legit citations. And uh, Brantley puts that up on the Discord every week. So Is that right, Umar? He still out. does that, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. He does, yeah. He- Okay, yeah. not to tip off who our guest is. Uh, and before I introduce, I just want to say... We are so lucky! I know. I just want to say one other quick thing about Brantley. Um, he, for for many people on this podcast that have uh, been along for the whole journey, they, they might know about my obsession with a certain stuntman at Universal Studios called Bob Rochelle. Brantley sent me the most comprehensive package of information about this uh, late, great comic stuntman, Bob Rochelle, that I have only been able to do the tip of the iceberg because of my situation and all that's been going on. It's It's been hectic and stuff. But I, I just want to thank him publicly because it has been so touching to be able to find out some more stuff about a man that I am unhealthily obsessed with in a sort of uh, innocent way, if that makes sense. Uh, I think <laughs> this information you're getting and you, you know as you get into it, I see like a biography being written, Matt. Oh, I think you should pull this information together, tell the story of a comic stuntman. Oh, That's I'm, good. We'll we'll see. But the the thing that I am that has meant the most to me of what I've been able to to find out so far is that it does seem that he like one of my main questions was answered because Brantley spoke to a lot of people who knew him. He really went and it seems that 
Bob Rochelle Beautiful. is indeed a good man. And <sighs> that's what and, you want to hear. You know, not that I had any reason to doubt that or anything, but you know, they always say don't meet your heroes, even if they're obscure theme park stuntmen who have <laughs> been, you know, passed on for 16 years. I think that's actually the full expression. <laughs> and they just kind of truncate it and just say, don't meet your heroes. But actually, yeah. the, originally, the full one is... I have a cross stitch of that yeah. hanging above uh, my head. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Brantley. And I look forward to digging into yeah, it. Yeah, Brantley, he gives, allows. He, he gives good note, uh, gifts, uh, notes and gifts because yeah. uh, we got some maple syrup. So thank you for that, Brantley. And then uh, oh, some books on collages. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's uh, right. So thank you. And uh, oh my gosh, it's, it's, uh, and, and guess what, Matt? We would have never met Brantley if not for the podcast. And we would have never met our guest, our yes. special guest. He's one of the big special three that helps us out, also including Dustin Kraft. But Umar, you're the original. You're the OG. It's Umar Ditta. He's uh, he's the Manhunter man himself. So in love with this movie that it only made sense to have him on for this episode. Welcome, Umar. Hi. Hi, guys. And yeah, I'm just going to give my score right now. One out of 10 or one out of 13, you know, just to go against expectations here. Of course I'm kidding. Uh, what? Of course I'm kidding. Of course I'm kidding. Yes, I do love this movie. I adore it. Um, but I just want to take a step back and, you know, uh, when he said that, you know, you're going to be taking a step back and sort of releasing episodes, you know, once every couple of weeks and when you need, I agree with Paul there, mental health and you know, well-being and all that stuff is paramount. And I just want to speak on behalf of the trustees to say, you do what's best for you guys. So... Oh, what a sweetie. That means a lot. It really does. I mean, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it because it's funny watching this movie. Uh, this is obviously a joke, but I did feel some sort of strange kinship with Will Graham <laughs> where I had told my family, like, don't worry, baby. I'm, I've scaled this back. I'm done. And then the ghosts of podcasting. <laughs> come out of the darkness the francis dollar hide of downloadable media <laughs> comes for me and and i can't be a will Graham. i gotta you know i gotta step it up so that that's that's a gross generalization that's not necessarily we like going francis on. Da- download high <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. We, just, uh, we just staring outside of the window there with like the rain dripping down and it's just like <laughs> You know, you're hearing the you know the podcasting schedule over and go, over and go in your head, and then you say, "I'm sorry to the whole full Will Graham vibe." In that 100, except I am somehow not living on a beautiful Florida beach on a retired cop's uh, half pension. I don't know how they're pulling that off, but 80s salary, 80s salary is what it is. It's you know, right. inflation, right. inflation. It didn't it didn't matter back then. Yeah, he was an early investor in the DeLorean. Yeah. He got out quick. Well, I think well, you Umar, would, you would rock you? the short shorts, though. You would rock those pink That's short right. shorts, yeah. Oh, those pink shorts with that royal blue uh, shirt at the end? Yeah. Is it not yeah. a big piece of Incredible. white driftwood? With Dennis Farina? Oh. I've never heard a, that strong a Chicago accent in that southern location before. <laughs> it's so jarring to to somehow be perfect. <laughs> Exactly. I don't think that accent has ever been, yeah, below the Mesa Dixon. <laughs> no, they won't. This is, you know, 19, this is movie's 86? Yeah, 86. 80, 85 was when they opened up strong northern <laughs> accents that could finally come south of the Mesa Dixon line. It's crazy. Hey, this gumbo's pretty good. <laughs> 
Hey, I want to go visit the bayou. <laughs> Key West, what are you talking about? I left my keys back, back in the loop. Yeah. <laughs> So, Muvar, uh, when, uh, yeah, we got to meet you through the uh, uh, podcast, you were our numbers cruncher uh, guy. You you put the stats together, and we got to do some fun ranking episodes and the bonus episodes. And then I was just, you know, Umar was doing all this great work with the stats, but then I get to meet him, and he's just a cool, funny, laid-back dude. That was great. And then as we've, what, we've probably known each other now for about three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've known you were a, a... uh, Michael, uh, man, part of the man fan clan, yeah, I think right. is what most people refer to it now. Uh, Famously, should yes. we ask, man, like, wh- how did he fall in love with Manhunter? Yeah, what's your walk with God? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one other thing is, you know, with the Manon, uh, that, that came to my head as well when he said Manon there, Paul, but the other one is, yes. is right in front of us, but a man for all seasons. Oh, oh. Yeah. I, th- I thought you were go there. I thought you were going to go there, but I just, I, I just had to bring it up. It was burning well, me. This up is why there. we had you on. We're teeing it up so you can knock it down. We're, we're. I mean, I think we're the, um, we're the support crew here because <laughs> between you and the the copious notes that Brantley sent. I'm happy to just like be awash in, in your fervor and knowledge <laughs> oh. of this man, this field, and this film. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I mean, I like and, the idea of A Man for All Seasons <laughs> because that series, if you had to, like, what would be a Michael Mann movie for each See if you were one, if somebody was to well, do a series like that. A summer, I could tell you what summer is, and it's my favorite Michael Mann movie, and it's an outlier for sure. <gasps> Inside. It's Miami Vice. Miami, I love Miami Vice. I Bloody. love that movie. And maybe it's a, it's a, it's uh, up there with Heat. I, those probably are my favorite too. Like Heats. That what uh, season is Heat? Choice. Well, that's yeah, that's got to be summer, right? It's it's in the title. It's a deceiving word though, because yeah. don't you kind of get a wintertime feeling in L.A. with that movie? A, a bit? little bit, yeah. Um, so, but I think for just if you were like putting, if you had your own repertory theater. And you're like, yeah. I'm doing Man of All Seasons yeah. this year. Yeah. Springtime, or you start off, when would you kick it off? Wintertime, spring? Well, what are our seasonal films, if, if that's the case? And by the way, Umar, you should start a podcast called Man for All Seasons, <laughs> and you handle this. I, I love yeah, yeah and, and feel free, you know, being a part of the Man Fan Clan and knowing the Michael Mann, and uh, <laughs> let us know. Maybe we just, he has like seven movies, eight movies. We could do this real quick. Just uh, uh, give a season for each of his movies. Um, So I would think Thief. Thief would probably be a winter or spring. Because it's in Chicago, it's cold. We're not giving Jericho mile. Let's do just because it's television and it's a heat kind of precursor. Okay, fair enough. Oh, no, I'm not going to go seasonality. I'm not going to go. I'm just going by the season. What what, what sort of drives me towards the season? And uh, Miami Vice definitely is summer. And and I'm so happy that you love that movie because I, too, adore it. Uh, I remember when I watched it in the cinema in 2006. I I was the only person there. And I was so, I was like, I'm I'm in the man fan club, you know, like I'm in the man clan, but I was yeah. so disheartened that I'm like, oh, this movie's going to bomb because it was like opening night as well. I was like, oh no, oh no. I was but, the only person in the theater, even though there were other bodies there, they had mentally checked out, including <laughs> my buddy, Mark McConville. And I walked out going, what, am I crazy? I love that movie. 
I saw Miami Vice with a buddy. You did? Yeah. Well, that's the way to do it. You got to crock at your tub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Who would just go as a crocket alone? Yeah. Uh, no, no. Uh, uh, you, um, I saw it in New York. And uh, it was one of those things where it was before assigned seats. So I was in like one of the, in New York. So I was like in the front row and I think it was wet out. So everybody, it, it rained. So everybody was like wet and muggy. Mm. So the bad, okay, you know, setup did not like the movie guys. Really? Oh. Here's, here's what you got to do. You come out of that movie. The first thing you do, hop on a go fast boat down to Cuba and get a mojito. <laughs> you know, I do think I, I should have done that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the keep the next one of the Michael Man. That's probably autumnal autumn. I've never ways. seen the keep. I haven't either. I just know it's scary. So yeah, I thought I can't let's watch it during covered. Halloween times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the weird things yeah, about the keep right. is no one's. I think no one's actually seen it because like, the original cut is lost or like never been fully restored. It's like what? the original cut was like, meant to be a couple hours long. I, I believe that's true. But like, there's like a ninety minute. I've seen it. It is kind of you're like, hmm, that something definitely was. There was something here, but um, yeah, I, honestly, if I could see the full restored version, how it was, because there is like an extended version, but there's not none of the original keep for some reason. I can't remember why, but it's like just not there anymore, which is wild. Yeah, I'll give a shout out to the uh, video archives podcast that. Uh, Hosted by uh, Quentin Tarantino and uh, Roger Avery and uh, Gala Avery. They did a really great episode on The Keep where they talk about how it gets... There's the different uh, versions, how it's been mm. changed in the editing, and, and why it sort of is a misfire because of that, ah. uh, that people should listen to, along with all the other apps. It's a good good mm. pod. But the... Um, yeah. Uh, uh, and then, then it's Manhunter, yeah. right? Is the third movie. And then... Uh, is it Heat? Uh, no, oh. uh, it would be. Oh. This is why I didn't do Jericho Mal because it would have been LA Takedown, but that's another TV movie. Oh, the original right. Heat. Oh, and Last of the Mohicans. Last of the Mohicans. Yeah. Ooh, that's up there for me, too. Oh, so you think good. that's fall? That sounds like yeah, fall to yeah. me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Feels like fall. What are we, are we hurting on spring? Should we be keeping an eye out for springtime? Well, what's what pops to your mind in the man canon? About, I mean, does Ferrari seem kind of springy? I mean, the cars do. <laughs> the suspension. Boing, boing, yeah. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. So does his dick he can't keep in his pants. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hello. So I, I'm not up to date on the full Michael Mann. And have you guys seen Ferrari? I have, yeah. I haven't been. It. I watched um, uh, Godzilla Minus One. Uh, oh, I want to see that. That was really good. But Ferrari's on my list uh to watch yeah you want to see it right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. what did you think uh gorley mm, i thought it was okay uh mm. yeah it was i mean any man film is good so mm -hmm. you, yeah i'm just kind of judging it in relation to his other films it's mm. it's a good film and it's interesting but it, it you know it uh, ultimately is a is a rough go for what you learn. I didn't know some certain things <laughs> that happened in that movie. And I had heard about them, uh, uh obliquely. And when you, when you watch it in the movie, I was like, this is not what I expected. And I didn't enjoy that. <laughs> I know that's very vague. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> On multiple levels. I didn't enjoy that, that part. And you'll, it's a bit like uh, bone tomahawk. You'll know it when you see it. <laughs> okay. so, yeah. But then, uh, yes, after last of Mohicans heat, 
then the insider. Yep. Uh, which my tease, that's my favorite. I just watched that on the plane home from uh, Maryland. I was in Maryland and I hadn't watched that in forever. I really enjoy that. Yeah, movie. I've probably seen it a dozen times, fellas. Yeah. I really love The Insider. <laughs> uh, and then Ali. Yep. Collateral. Uh, Ghost Hat. What was it? Uh, uh, Miami Vice. Miami Vice. Ghost Dad? Is that what you said? <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not the saying Ghost Dad. movie? Oh, uh, oh, Black, Black Hat. Hat. Black Hat. We're not That's saying Ghost Dad. That's a much maligned movie with a, with a butchered cut that I think there there is now a director's cut out there. Yeah, I've, I've heard oh, that. I, I haven't, I haven't seen that, but I've seen, seen the original one, and it, it kind of reminds you of like The Keep and one of, uh, you know, like Man's later movies where there's a good movie there somewhere. I hope mm. someone can get it out. I know. I've seen it too. I have not seen Public Enemies. Uh, uh, yeah, that was my first real I disappointment of just like a, I, I loved Collateral, so I was like pumped about like whatever that aesthetic was going to be, maybe with like uh, yeah. '30s gangsters and stuff. But then when I saw it, I was like, looked like a stuff I saw in my film class. I watched <laughs> Collateral recently. I know. I like that too. Here's my only ever beef with Michael Mann, and that is not his scores to his movie. I, I frequently like the scores to his movies. It's his needle drops are so uh, <laughs> like alt uh, rock kind of. What's the word? Like just Paul's playlist? No, not like that. No, I would be. <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I, no like, I know. I know you mean pavement or something. It'd be great. Yeah. It's always just these like the cover of Phil Collins in the air tonight in Miami Vice. By none point, there's none point to that. Yeah, all. I can only said. imagine it's always something a band like that that are these kind of like. Does he have kids with bad music taste in music or something? I think he just has it. I think he just has it. Because I've noticed it even with the songs in Manhunter. I love the synth score, but the songs are basically 80s versions of the 2000s music he uses in his other movies. But you were rocking out to Inagata Davida, I bet. Well, sure. (laughs) But but still, I don't know. It's just, I I just imagine Michael Mann, who's now, what, 80 at least, right? Just with a... 80s Sony Walkman on a cassette, just like listening to, <laughs> you know, Switchback or whoever. Or whoever. He'd probably is. Be on a, is it called Zune or something like that? He'd be on that. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can Zune. get more, I can more tracks on here. <laughs> Yeah. Was uh, Manhunter your first Michael Mann Hunter? Um, I oh, I think Collateral was my first. Uh-huh. Um, but then it, it, it was around the time um, when I was about 16, 15, something like that. Uh, it, it came on TV. I just watched it. You, know, you see the synopsis, Hitman in uh, LA. You know, oh, I don't know what's going on here. I watched it and I was hooked. And then from there, um, <laughs> I went through our old uh, collection of VHS tapes. Uh, by that, I mean like tapes that we recorded straight from... Uh, the, the you know Channel Four, Film Four, whatever you have in the UK, you know like those sort of uh, oh, matinees that came on. Yeah, exactly. And just it, you know, like we used to pause them when an advert would come on, commercials, and unpause that whole sort of gorilla feel to it. That that's what we had. Uh-huh. And I was just going through. I said, "Man, Hunter, what's this?" I even remember the tape that me, and my well, my brother and my sister, we all used to record. You know, when we have a massive, we had a massive arsenal of VHS tapes. Like, I mean, oh, in the wow. hundreds, and it was all that like, recorded. That's where like, my my love for films 
and all that sort of stuff come from. And in there, that being so weird, I had Manhunter in there, but before that was Glory. Because, oh, because yeah, God, you had those I, long, long tapes and you could fit a I few hours that. in there. There was no rhyme or reason to how we put ta- how we recorded, just what was on that day. So there was Glory and then Manhunter. Um, so obviously I gave Glory a watch. Glory is a good movie, guys. Watch it. It's, you know, it's, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it was Glory for- is a gorly. Florally. I know, but Umar, were you uh, already well aware of the Hannibal Lecter like stories and films before seeing this? Because first time I ever saw it was my mom was actually watching Manhunter and she's she's like, see that guy? That's, that's Hannibal Lecter. This movie is about uh. Hannibal Lecter, but before Silence of the Lambs was made and that was my, I had seen like half of Manhunter through my mom that way. See, I, I'm in one of the, the quite a few... Uh, group where I heard of Silence of the Lambs. It was a you know massive phenomenal, you know, even without watching the movie, everyone knew about Silence of the Lambs. Um, however, uh, when I was, you know, prior to being a teenager, I was a bit of a chicken shit when it came to horror <laughs> movies. I was like, no, no, not too scary. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what does he do? He eats people. But obviously it, whenever you talk to anyone about Silence of the Lambs, they just kept, it's similar to like, you know, your Halloween story where you imagine the stuff worse than they are. That's what right, was going yeah. in my head. I was like, oh, I'm not going to watch Silence of the Lambs. It's, it's horrific. But then I watched Manhunter first, you know, because, you know, it, it, I was going through a sort of stage of, I want to watch weird, but like good sort of thriller movies that I haven't heard of. Let's give it a shot. I was hooked onto uh, Manhunter. It, it, it did something to me, but then... After that, I, I said, "Okay, I'll watch um, Silence of the Lambs," and you know, without without skipping ahead to, to the next episode, that's another fucking like amazing, like fabulous yeah. movie. Like it just blew yes. me away. We're stacking them strong up front, exactly, um, <laughs> and all the way to the middle and back. Uh, yeah, stacked strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. Wait, Umar, how do you feel? Obviously, you're not a red dragon head. I mean, just by default, because you love Manhunter so much. But but do you despise that movie? Do you think it's okay? Do you like it? I think Red Dragon is my Doctor Sleep. In that, oh, on paper, there's not much to like. I mean, you know, well, to me, there's not much to like. I've just jumped, I've just jumped the chalk there. What I meant to say is, uh, <laughs> see, I can't even, it's Florian, Florian Slip that just came out there, how I feel about it. It is... Um, on paper, you know, it's got Harvey Keitel, same cinematographer as Manhunter. Everything should be good on paper. Yeah. However, I even watched it recently to make sure my bias was, you know, just mm-hmm. on, on my side. It is not as good as Manhunter. It just, it's like by the numbers, if basically, mm, yeah. in my opinion, if Silence of the Lambs wasn't made and it wasn't the masterpiece that it is, Brett Ratner should not have touched that to begin with as well. Like, I don't know what he was doing there. Like, if if, if it was someone else who wanted to make a faithful adaptation of the, the novel Red Dragon, it could have been handled a lot better. But it was... You know, I always forget it's Brett Ratner. Yeah, that, that's, that's a really tough pill to swallow when I'm like, ah, that guy, he somehow thought he could do a uh, elevated thriller and he, yes. he didn't, not at all. Um there's good performances well, in there. There's yeah. good moments in there, I guess. But it, in my opinion, doesn't hold a candle to Manhunter in that it, Manhunter was mm. 
a, a film, uh, you know, w- without using flowery words, like an auteur made it, like Michael Mann, who, uh, as you guys probably know from the notes and watching the movie, it's not the same as the novel and there's different changes in there and, you know, Dennis Farina's in there, which <laughs> it does seem out of place, but it works. Yeah, yeah is Dennis Farina in the novel? Yeah, his name <laughs> yes. is Dennis Farina. It's not Jack Crawford. It's Dennis Farina as Dennis Farina. <laughs> well, because wasn't Dennis Farina actually a cop? Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, yeah. discovered by uh, Michael Mann to be a consultant. And then he was like, That's right. this guy's got star charisma, babe. And Mann said, what do you got? And he said, listen, I worked a job where I was hunting down a guy who take his teeth out and such. <laughs> I, I, uh, Farina is like one of those actors, like uh, up there with Red Dragon's Philip Seymour Hoffman, I'm not being facetious, where I really wish Dennis Farina was still around. Yeah. Too. It would be oh, great so to much. see him doing different roles and stuff. Um, uh, Umar, when you said, like, when you saw Manhunter and it kind of got in your brain, you became obsessed with it. What was it? Was it the the colors, the music? The the colors are vivid. It, 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 yeah, I yeah. could see that hooking in. It, it was a whole bunch of stuff. I remember that, uh, that my brother, what, <laughs> one of the things that sort of hooked into my brain is I ended up asking my elder brother so many questions about it and that sort of, just, just the movie itself, mm-hmm. because obviously when you've seen like thrillers or action movies or your diet's been those sort of stuff before, this was such a cerebral movie to watch at a relatively early age. And I was just like, so what did he mean when he said he wanted to seal it with a kiss? Why was he biting him? Why I was asking all these questions and my brother was like... Mm. It's a movie, but you know we'll talk about it a bit more. I know I've got to know these answers. These are <laughs> these are. It's such a weird movie, but in a good way. Uh, in fact, it was yeah. that scene that got me hooked in, where it, it works out like a procedural. But then, when Lowndes, um is seeing the Red Dragon uh, presentation in front of him, I was like, "Oh, this is something else. I've not seen something like this before, and I'm here for the ride." Yeah, that's cool when you're a kid and you see something where the content would obviously like blow your mind. You're like seeing like, oh, a guy who puts mirrors in people's eyes so he can have them watch him. He can watch him like that's like, oh, get your mind around that as a kid. But then also just like the style and never it almost would seem like it's from a different movie planet. Like when he's sitting there. It, yeah, you referenced it earlier, like the, with the rain streaked <laughs> windows at the diner and stuff. And if I saw that as a kid, I would be. It's a little like when you see a Kubrick movie as a kid or something. It just feels like it's. You're sort of struck by its differentness. Not to mention, it's such a good procedural. Mm. I can't believe yeah. it's so hard to pull off a, a, both a thriller and an investigation that is kind of a airtight procedural like this the, even when will graham is discovering things like the talcum powder and stuff usually those things are such far sherlock holmesian leaps yeah like uh, amanda's obsessed with jack reacher right now and so we're watching that and i'm happily along for the ride but you know he pulls things out of midair that are so ridiculous to the point of comical this mm-hmm. one you re- I, I never really questioned the investigation and even when he gets you know like what were you doing what are you doing? You're climbing up a tree and you know, all this stuff. And he's talking to him and he makes some, you know, leaps, but they, they kind of are founded and it's just a satisfying procedural to watch. Then you got the style and then you have the thriller element. Yeah. And it really packs 
a punch. And if you love slashers, it's also cool. It's like an art movie yeah. slasher. Like there's some stuff that's just like straight up Michael Myers, like kind of like synthy stings. Uh, but they're in the context of like some weird <laughs> expressionist uh, movie. Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah. So you saw when did you first see it, Matt? I like I said, I think I saw bits of it in the eighties when my mom was watching it at home. It and then most right fully, after, like uh, yeah, most fully. I think I saw it not long after. Well, I would have seen Silence of the Lambs prior because my mom was referencing that, so mm. that was late eighties. So yeah. I, I'm sure uh, it's ninety one, mid nineties, ninety one. Yeah. Oh, ninety one. Okay, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So mid nineties, and and I remember not being very into it the first time I saw it because I don't think I could appreciate the style and the tone. I wanted a little bit more of that super digestible Silence of the Lambs kind mm -hmm. of, you know, I mean, that's probably why I loved Red Dragon when I saw it in the theaters mm -hmm. too, because I probably just wasn't sophisticated enough to take on a movie like this. And so I'm ex excited and, and very curious to watch Red Dragon, especially so close on the heels of right. this to see how they, because I, 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 for some reason, have a soft spot for that movie maybe because it is just so eminently watchable, if not very great, even though I think it's good. Because it's like be it's a mad, 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 mad world version of a uh, Hannibal Lecter movie. It's just like cameo stars galore. Yeah, I know. Hollywood. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't uh, respond to it. Like that, your observation about the procedure is very true. It's a really good like procedural detective. There's no like leaps. And the other thing that I noticed that I thought, oh, why it was a cop story that I found interesting, you know, there's the wife and uh, son stuff, there's family stuff, but it's because, you know, they're targeted a bit. So it makes sense that yeah. they're being focused. There's no like the detect, like Will Graham has a sick mom and you have scenes of him oh, going yeah. to visit her and she has Alzheimer's and right. the poignancy of she's losing her memories as he can't escape his or whatever bullet, you know, and then you have like 20 minutes of internal detective personal life bullshit. Like yeah. what keeps it a procedural is like anytime really he's uh, on frame, he's just on the case. I know. And the only personal stuff you really do get actually ends up being Francis Dollarhide because then the movie shifts to his story with, Joan Allen's character yes. and almost like two thirds of the way in a new movie is born yeah. with that whole thing. Which, which to is... me, if I had seen Manhunter in the eighties in the theaters and loved it and just was like, Hey, this movie's cool. It got slept on, but I like it. And you watch it on video. And then I was like, Oh, I'm going to watch Silence of the Lambs knowing I think I would have been, I mean, Hey, welcome all the Thomas Harris heads. Just don't want to focus on the Michael Mann heads. People may be here because they love the the books and the, yeah. the man, Thomas Harris, uh, the writer. Um, I'm curious if it's done in the books this way or if the screenwriters for Silence of the Lambs recognized it or if Thomas Harris wrote this in his books. But it is the same thing of procedure, procedure, detective, 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 and then just like full on hitting the brakes and jumping over to the person they're after and it's not because they came close to them it's just like the storyteller is going now we go to buffalo bill yeah and we follow him for a while and you just get to see and then same with tooth fairy like around the 70 minutes it just hits the brakes you get a long extended time with him and the person he's after and then you get back to the detective and you're like 
similarly, like for a while you kind of go, oh, right, Will Graham. Yeah. I was getting on this. Uh, um, but I wonder if that's the same, uh, if that's just the way Thomas Harris tells those stories. It's cool. So, so it's been a while since I've read uh, the Red Dragon novel, uh, which I have to say, even, oh. even though the Red Dragon movie, I'm not a fan of it, uh, just you know, how it's executed. But the novel, it sort of, from what I remember, it sort of follows that trend where it's, you know, Will Graham, he goes to uh, the Leeds house or the Jacoby's house, does this stuff, finds that stuff. But then there's a lot, and I mean a lot more backstory on uh, Dollar Hyde. Uh, and, you know, you know about mm. his military service and how he was dishonorably Whoa. discharged and how you can you can sort of tell that uh, Thomas Harris has taken influence from, uh, uh, you know, real life serial killers, I think. Uh, BTK, you know, it was an influence, you know, around the same time and these sort of sort of backstory that he builds for Dollarhide, but there's a lot of information in the books. Um and, and, and they do describe uh, use a lot of it in Red Dragon, uh, the movie, but they don't uh, in the in the book it just seems to be better paced out from what, what I remember. Uh, but it does it, it sort of like pretty much Dollarhide sort of becomes uh, not not a secondary protagonist, but a secondary character that like you get so much information about him. And if, if I remember correctly, you just sort of, um, you understand everything from like the, his abuse that he used to have as a kid uh, from his grandmother, you know, the mm. sort of typical serial killer sort of stuff where, or, you know, uh, bedwetting and then threaten scissors, you know, you know, mm. you know, all that sort of stuff, you know, basically some like real horrific stuff that you can see that came from, real life cases that Thomas Harris knew about, but my, what, what, yeah, the empathy yeah. that you start to have for the tooth fairy, like, because you see him, um, it's, uh, yeah, uh, uh, you, you, it's, it's a little proto, uh, heat even. Cause you know how like two sides of the same coin, the way heat becomes interesting is like the cop is his personal life is shit. And he kind of treats his, his wife, the relate, his, his the the loves in his life are falling apart. But then you go over to Robert De Niro, who's the criminal, and he's falling in love, and he has a community with friends. I thought similarly when uh, 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 the Tooth Fairy was having the like weirdest Netflix and chill <laughs> ever with with the blind girl. <laughs> I did start going like. Hey, you know what? I kind of like these romantic, these two lovebirds here. They're better than what's going on over at Will Graham's house. Does it ever make you think I saw that and I thought, what if if my partner was blind? What would I put on TV that I would tell her we were watching, but I'd actually be watching Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy? <laughs> Dude, I know the game! <laughs> Oh, I'd love it if I had a blind girlfriend. I'd just watch the game. I'd be watching Manhunter. Yeah, let's put on Room with a View. Uh huh. Sure, babe. Yeah, let's put on that chick flick you like, that rom com. I'm going to watch dot, dot, dot. The game. The big game. The oh, big I game. think you were talking about. I was thinking about Adventures yes. this game, <laughs> which fits for you. But now I see you talking. Yeah, the big game. I'm still, I'm still it thinking so it's David Fincher. that I yeah. would like. <laughs> I'm still thinking you, you're going to be talking about the David Fincher. That's what I was thinking about as well. I was like, that makes sense. Uh, clearly, I'm more of a Fincher than a, a, a Jocko. Well, let's get into this movie. Yeah. Um, starting with the Logo Loco, which we haven't done in a while. That is a solid Dino De Laurentiis logo. Ooh, My God. Chris, I love it because it 
It looks like it's the symbol like on a, a real estate company. Uh, yes, it does. Like when you know you see the same kind of names pop up on like the lease signs outside of apartments because one <laughs> yes, guy bought it. it yeah. Like the, the weird lion symbol and De Laurentiis uh, Realty. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I like that it's kind of um, yellowed. Yeah. yeah, just sort it of as it feels tobacco like sitting on the shelf in a smoke filled room for a while. Absolutely. <laughs> sitting next to some like film developing chemicals. <laughs> and I think we also saw it before the bedroom window uh, was that we got to see the DEJG symbol. Oh. Similar era, Curtis Hansen was making a movie with him that they were making. But same year, uh, DEG, De Laurentiis made. Um, Blue Velvet, yeah. mm. and I think they open up the same way, where it goes De Laurentiis logo to white clouds on blue sky. Maybe. It, it's very in line with these first two man films, I feel like, are of a piece, Thief and Manhunter, just visually, because there's a lot of grain. It doesn't feel like high-budget it's gritty. There's post pro slow mo. You know, <laughs> it's it's really because what comes after this? Uh, Last of the Mohicans. Um, after this, yeah, yeah. Last of the Mohicans. After, that is after such this, a yeah. such a quality leap in in just Six years. budget and just film stock in general. It feels like you went from Super Eight to thirty five <laughs> to seventy millimeter or something. Yeah, all uh, all props to the. Um the DP on this, right? Dante, uh, his man. Yeah. The spin, spin, oh, I can't remember. Spinotti? Yeah. Dante Spinotti? Spinotti, He's with him the whole run, is he? I mean, doesn't he do most of A lot of, yeah, a lot of his movies and, um, and, and and it's funny, I think, I'm pretty sure, um, he was like suggested by, uh, Michael Mann to be used on Red Dragon and he does do a great job on there. Just shame about the rest of the movie. I, I will. I will stop ragging on. I will stop ragging on it. No, but yeah, no. Free. I wonder. That's Feel all good. Free. I wonder how often, or uh, how that's ever happened. If a DP has ever worked mm. on a two adaptations of the same. I would bet. It, I bet it happened on Funny yeah. Games because I, I, I'm not sure about you know because 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 oh, Hans yes. he did the same version. I'd be surprised if he didn't use the right. same DP. But who knows with that one? Uh, oh. But you know, if I was for a if I was the DP. Uh, D- uh-huh. David Lynch was on the shortlist to, you know, with Brantley notes, he was on the shortlist to direct yes. uh, Manhunter. Whoa. Yeah, David Lynch Manhunter would be. Um, it's like, hey, dude, that's already pretty weird. We don't need your <laughs> yeah. weirdness bringing it hat in. Hat on a hat, man. David they should Lynch have brought Gary all... Marshall in to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Manhunter Day. Called like Arbor Day. Uh, yeah, man, ah, you know he said Manhunter Day at the same <laughs> time. Uh, David Lynch had a real interesting alternate timeline in the eighties with return of the Jedi and this and what could have been, you know? Yeah. It goes to show that they were really trying to figure out, uh, what to do with those square pegs during blockbuster times. Huh? Yeah. I guess, uh, Dino De Laurentiis came in though and said, Hey, yeah, baby, come on down. <laughs> come on down to De Laurentiis town. <laughs> He's Transylvanian. We go on a manhunting. <laughs> the title of Manhunter is maybe the low point of this film, which is a as a the font, the just the, the name, slimy, glowing green, ghostly, like 
comic-y kind of font. It's so strange. Yeah, for, for a movie, movie with so much great style. Yeah. It's like, let's yeah. rethink that font choice for it's the like title. Goosebumps or something. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll yeah. be honest, even with Ooh, that, our thoughts. It's, it's like a, yeah, it's like a version of, I think it's like, you know, Impact, the font Impact. It's like a varied, varied version of that. And for, for the time it was out, I'm like, sure, yeah. I guess I'll do. But I do like the new... There's like when you have the album, like the DVD or Blu-ray cover, it has man on it in like a bit more classy sort of writing, and the T mm. is the, that mahjong symbol for Red yeah. Dragon. So th- that looks a lot better, and I can see how that sort of that's cool. brings yeah. in people. That's a little uh, a little too little too late, and, and Umar in this one element, you have to hand it to Red Dragon. Got the font right. I'm oh, sorry, man. I think we cut out there. I didn't hear. I didn't hear that. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry, I think we cut out. Uh, this movie has w- maybe next to mission prep, one of my favorite conventions in a film. And that is you're the only guy who can do this job. And I'm not saying that with any attitude. I truly love a movie. When this movie just starts with Dennis Farina going, I know you can't do this. I know you can't handle it. You've been wounded. You're retired but no one but you can do this. Oh. I, what are some of the other movies that do that? Rambo 2 opens that way? Yeah. Yes, Rambo yes. Rambo 3 opens that way? I think yeah. Rambo, the fourth one does as well. Yeah, yeah. To, to jump, to open a movie with the, uh, what is it, the call to... Yeah, uh, action. Call to action and the refusal to call in the first scene. It's yeah. like it's like the opening of Lethal Weapon 2, your mm. mid-car chase already. I would love every cop movie just to start with a clear blue sky and it tilts down two men on a big white driftwoody kind of log being like you gotta come back and work for us you're the fucking best <laughs> sitting back to back no less or at least like catty corner to each other yeah. what is that like i'm gonna look at the sea i've seen enough of the sea i'm gonna look at my family you do you you it, coming back it's the last shot of um uh heat you look this way, I'll look That's that right. way, okay, buddy? Michael but we'll do it at Mann. the beginning of the movie instead of that fucking end. <laughs> yeah, he's got a real thing for whatever that... Was that like a Victorian-era chair where a courting couple would sit? It was like a bench, but they're facing <laughs> oh, yeah. opposite directions or he something? He wishes those were popular. <laughs> he's like, I'd put them in every movie if I could. Uh, I, I wanted the taxi cab and collateral to be reverse-seated. <laughs> Uh, I tried to put Cruz in a reverse facing car seat for a baby. and he, <laughs> Well, frankly, he fit, but he wouldn't do it. He's a Chicagoan, right? And he says when he grew up uh, seeing the neon lights on uh, in Chicago, that's sort of like when he kind of started putting together his visual Ooh. taste. Um, and I, I do think Chicago filmmakers, no bullshit, but also Chicago comedians, Chicago mm. artists, musicians, they seem to have a real kind of clear idea of like no bullshit. Yeah. And uh, it's funny with Manhunter or most Michael Mann movies, it kind of comes in the um, (coughs) no bullshit is the like no, um, definitely no camp ever. No. No. I mean, I think this not hate on this. I, I love it. Is this the least amount of levity in a movie we've watched mm. on the podcast. Cause I don't think there's right. even, even the zombie movies a, had attempts at levity. Yes. Yeah. Like you're supposed to laugh right at Michael Myers, 
hillbilly stepdad or whatever yeah. and we're like oh my god he's no, so you're right that's comic pretty pretty spot on I, th- I think the only sort of more of humor you get is I, I think it's even a gif in the in the discord is when dennis freena sort of chuckles when uh uh when chilton and uh um uh will graham are giving the false say- story about tooth fairy and he has that sort of laugh and then he starts smiling oh, yeah. i'm like that's the only thing you get out of it and maybe and even that yeah. you feel like farina threw that in in the <laughs> yeah. and, and then forced man at gunpoint to keep it in the movie <laughs> Because his man's movies are so sincere, and I mean that as a compliment, yeah. but even down to the, the music that he chooses is so, like, teenage angst, heartfelt, no irony, like, you don't understand my pain. <laughs> oh, I just imagine how, yes, if you went up face-to-face to Michael Mann and told him, like, the funniest joke you knew and delivered it the best you possibly could, his response would be like, what? Yeah, because yeah. he was—he <laughs> just doesn't. He was on. Uh, I think it was the Ringer podcast, The Watch, and Chris Ryan, who's like a devotee of his films. At oh, wow. the end, uh-huh. just jokingly was like, "Okay, I got one beef, and that's in especially Heat, the geography of how they get around town. Like, oh, come on, how'd you do that?" And he just, Michael Mann, was not having it. <laughs> you know. Ooh, I just saw yesterday, two days ago. I've been watching old Bob Costas later with Bob Costas and her naturally. <laughs> You know, hey, I've sapped all the Cisco and Ebert, so I gotta you go. Got move the, on have the... you done your Dick Cavett run? <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Uh, uh, usually, I don't make di- Dick Cavett run. I make Dick Cavett sit and talk with me. He's good at it. I don't know. Uh, but uh, uh, oh, Bob Costas was interviewing Anthony Perkins. And trying to be a little like tongue in cheek about some of the psycho sequels, Anthony Perkins was not having it. Oh, I'd like to see it that. It was good. It was good. Oh, Bob Costas can be a little satisfied with himself, let's say. <laughs> Umar, I feel like I've been talking a lot here. Do you want to oh, just take a moment before we? I mean, we're kind of going through the film beat by beat, but do you just. If there's anything you just want to indulge in, because I know you love this movie so much, just feel free to take the take the reins for a bit. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, well, it's just um, <laughs> like the whole the whole breakdown of the movie, like the whole sort of um, like you briefly talked about it before, where um, you know the sort of uh, to and froing between Will Graham and Dollarhide and the Tooth Fairy. I just find it crazy that you don't even see. Dollar hide until about I think about an hour into a two hour movie, yeah. and that that was right. the first thing that hooked me because because again prior to this when you know like a teenager I used to watch quick fast paced action movies you know get into the beef into the meat of it let's see what's going on and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff for the first hour I was like what's going on I'm sort of you know I'm I'm in for the ride let's see what happens when when the tooth fairy showed up and how he showed up. And, and when I looked at the, you know, the run, I mean, basically estimated the runtime because it was on VHS. I didn't, I couldn't check. Uh-huh. It's been an hour. I'm like, who the, who the hell is this guy? Bloody hell, he's huge. Like, look at the size of him. He just picked up like his entrance and all that sort of stuff. And then, oh, wow, and yeah. then when, when it built up from then and talk, speaking about the procedural part of it, where <laughs> one of the most like, exciting 10, 15 minutes in that movie is the sort of run, uh, the race against the clock of when they find Lecter's note. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. That was, you can tell why, you know, uh, uh, Bill Peterson went to do CSI 
because all the blueprint okay. is in there. And, and I recently watched yeah. like, you know, other movies who try to do that. I, I won't shit on Red Dragon anymore, but they don't hit that. But Zodiac is close to that in a different way. Zodiac is probably the best parallel I can think to this movie mm. in that they are both yeah. mm-hmm, top tier, in my opinion, in their own different ways of executing the same sort of story of, you know, serial killer, the procedural side and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and uh, uh, Brian Cox being cast in both mm. and in both kind of being the pompous <laughs> resource that they go to to help them with the case, who kind of like enjoys having the police come to yeah. him. Uh, I wondered if uh, definitely like you watch David Fincher's stuff, it does seem like Manhunter's in the oh. um, equation with mm. stuff. The uh, Also, it's interesting when you were saying about when Tooth Fairy is introduced – it is when he's killing that um, pretty lunt journalist. Yeah, the who is Stephen Lang, and, who's absolutely bit like I a know. brick shit house oh, now. So that's what I find funny. Wow. Yeah. Uh, wow. And Chris Elliott's in there. Yeah. 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 I love seeing, strange little cameo. Wait, is that what's the name of the guy who plays Bulldog in um, in Frasier? I forgot his name. I don't. The you know the guy who plays Bulldog, uh, the DJ in. In. Yeah, he, he's in. He's in the he's movie. He's one of the. He's. Um. Uh. I think he's. Uh. What's his name? The guy who does Prince Jimmy Price. I think him. He's in there. It's. It, oh. That's funny. I've heard of Blink and you'll miss him, but Blink and you'll Fraser. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Fraser yeah. Butler. I never is his name Dan Fra- Butler. That's the name. His name's, his name's Dan, Dan Butler. His name <laughs> just came back to me. Okay. Uh, oh. Yeah. I. Uh, um. The uh, other actors who were in it. Oh, oh, and Joan Allen. Yeah. yeah. Holy cow. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people who, uh, and a Chicago actor, a lot of, um, uh, she was Steppenwolf, right? Got pulled from that. Um, the, uh, what you were saying about, oh, oh, that he kills the, when I was reading up that he kills that journalist in the kind of the category of they're working towards more you having empathy or compassion for, for dollar hide in some way that he, his first kill is the guy everybody hates. Yeah. Like you, you kind of want to see that photojournalist get his, you yeah. know, that, uh, and then, then it totally reverses where you're like, he's going to kill a blind girl. Yeah, the most sympathetic character you could possibly ever uh, <laughs> invent. I love that dollar hide too. His first, reveal to us and also to Stephen Lang's character is with, you know, quote unquote, a mask on, but it's just a pantyhose halfway over his face, not covering his most distinguishing characteristic, which is the cleft palate scar he has, which is so funny because also Tom Noonan is unmistakable. Even with a full mask on, you would know exactly who it is. His voice, his stature, everything about him is so Tom Noonan and therefore so Francis Dollarhide that, I mean, he was obviously going to kill, Stephen Lang's character anyway but it it's funny that yeah. Stephen Lang's like don't take off the mask cuz then I'll know who you are even <laughs> though I know who you are your the visage of you has been seared into my brain I will never forget and you are certainly the person I'm going to choose out of a lineup yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. if Tom Noonan was in a police lineup <laughs> a bunch of 5 feet tall guys but all of them have these little half stockings on <laughs> I'm going to uh, do that as like a New Yorker cartoon. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and the thing is, you shouldn't even see Tom Noonan. He should be so high. You only see like the like three quarters of his body. Yes. He doesn't even fit. The, yeah. <laughs> he only goes up to six feet. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite exchange in this entire movie 
because it's it's really witty, it's snappy dialogue, but it also is like such good character chess is when he's talking to Lecter and he's, you know, he's like, I'm not smarter than you. And Lecter's like, then how did you catch me? Because you had disadvantages. What disadvantages? What disadvantages? You're insane. Yeah. Which is such a good slam, but it's also so true. And you even see Lecter, who's just like a master, kind of go, oh, touche, tip of the hat to And you, you also see like, like Will Graham just like keep guarded in the way that he does it. In that whenever he, whenever he says something, says anything to Lecter in that, in that scene, you can sort of tell by like looking at his face that he's like double thinks about it. Like he, he can't show any emotion because you know, Lecter would feed uh, onto it. And yeah. And it's, it's, you rarely, it's, it's cliche to say like scenes are like chess matches, but this really is because they're two masters. The characters and the actors are really good. Yeah. Just, just playing chess against each other. I have a question as our resident expert, Umar, um, does Will Graham show up in any of the other novels? And they keep referencing the fight he has with Lecter, where Lecter stabbed him. Was that ever, ever covered, or that's just all exposition? So, so as far as I know, Lecter—I'm sorry, uh, Will Graham doesn't show up in any of the other novels. Uh, if I remember, uh, in later novels, they just sort of mention him being. Again, I could be wrong here, but washed up, like you know, like it's it's it. it takes his toll on him and obviously it goes down the the Clarice sort of route with, you know, Hannibal and other subsequent books. Because uh, I think there's only like four, maybe, maybe four uh, Lecter books. There's not yeah. that many. Um, but with um, the the attack, because he uh, the, he initially gets attacked by, uh, what's his name, Garrett Jacob Hobbs, the first serial killer he gets. Um yeah. He, he gets, uh, it, it, no, sorry, he shoots him dead. Will Grimm shoots him dead, but then Lecter uh, attacks him. In the, in the book, they don't mention he bites him or eats him. He just gets mauled by him. It's sort of inferred that he gets bitten by Lecter, but he does such a oh, bad, I vicious attack on him that he's uh, left, you know, uh, physically damaged, but also because of the mental toll, because he was sort of working alongside him. And then uh, he does see, uh, because, because they don't mention this 100% in Manhunter, but they you know, defer to it that you know in one of my other favorite scenes when he's talking when he takes his kid through the shopping uh, sorry the supermarket and he tells him how he got Lecter that's one of my low-key favorite scenes in that movie because it's just an expert way to do it but that's basically how mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. uh, Lecter gets him the first time around where he's asking him for help but then he discovers this book that has like the anatomy of how a certain person, you know, how, you know, the, the murderer has been killing people and he sees it sort of outlined. Then when he finds that book, but then before he can report it and bring Lecter in, Lecter attacks him like the animal he is basically. But again, <laughs> what I like about Manonte is that it's one of the rare instances in a movie where tell, not sure, just works so much better because they're telling us everything, but in the way that they describe it and the way that um, Will Graham speaks to his son, about it, it just keeps you enthralled, and and, and I, I love it. Like he's talking, he's, he's explaining the situation to us like a child because he is describing it to a child. So it's it just yeah. sort of hits yeah, I love that. You're right. That is like an expert part where it, to see how the audience is getting it, like a kid does, where it's like censored because he's like, yeah. what did he do with? Horrible things. What yeah, did Lecter yeah. do? And he's like, horrible things. Yeah. And you're like, that's how a parent would put it. 
But then as a audience member, it does the fun thing of like your mind now gets to fill the gaps of what it would be and you're thinking horrible yeah. stuff. Uh, I wonder what somebody who doesn't know Hannibal Lecter's legacy, what they would. But I mean, I, and I don't know what the TV show does, but I'm curious. Yeah, if that um, well, he, he, getting to see their little meat cute seems like that's something that should be uh, I, shown on, on I, screens. I'd love to I've see I've only that. seen bits of the TV show. It is... <laughs> It, it, it reminds me more of the um, you know the Ridley Scott Hannibal uh, movie in that mm-hmm. it's campy and it know it is and it's gratuitous and and I yeah, I haven't seen the full show but the episodes I've seen I'm like oh they know what they're doing here they're leaning in to the whole Hannibal schlocky side of it and kind of like uh, what's it called American Horror Story where it's over the top and oh, I'm is, like is Will Graham a character in it yeah. because when I, I watched one episode and it, it, he was kind of like a super sleuth detective he does that a lot he does a sort it, of that, that like it is Will Graham yeah that's Will yeah Will Graham is, he's at the main and lecture by um, Mads uh, Mickelson he's uh, <laughs> like, like, like it's basically if you if you just <laughs> I know, I know some people don't like this, but if, if, you, if you just leave your brain out the door and just enjoy the silliness of it, it's fine. That, that's how I feel about it, yeah. the Hannibal TV show. I, I would have loved to seen one more good Will Graham movie. Yeah. You know, because we do get Clarice, but then that is watered down by casting changes. Did either of you watch the new True Detective last night? We're taking oh, no, this on a Monday. No, no. Ooh, no. I'm uh, very uh, excited. Well, what's so fascinating I assume it's is about that eggs. there's like, it's all about eggs. Yeah, it takes place on a chicken farm in Alaska, <laughs> frozen eggs. Um, there's kind of a tacit implication that Jodie Foster's character is. Clarice in some way. I I don't think it's like that's not the intention, but they want you to bring that obviously baggage. aware of it. And it's basically like what happened between Silence of the Lambs and now to get her to Alaska is not something they're ever gonna cover on the show that directly, but it is not hard and it's very fun to imagine Neat. that her character is Clarice Starling. Speaking of True Detective, real quick. Oh, I do know what ends up happening with Will Graham. I read a novella about his adventures after uh, Manhunter, Red Dragon. And um, he says, honey, I got to retire and get back to the what my ancestors used to do, how, how the generations before me used to make money. I'm going back to crackers. <laughs> Go for it, Graham. I mean, Will Graham. Go Graham. Go Graham. Go. Go Graham. Go Graham. Go Graham. Go Graham. Go Graham. Make your crackers. Make your crackers, Graham. I forget. Did you like the first season of True Detective? I truly. Should we do a season of that sometime? That'd be. I love that. I would love to cover that. Well, then you know you'd want to talk about TD too. Oh, you know I would. And you'd hold my hand through it because I never saw it. I would take everybody's hand through True Detective two and see it in the light it's meant to be seen in. And I will not apologize for it. This is not a red dragon thing. No. <laughs> I also, but is it true? Um, what if in this new Jodie Foster true detective, it's like that episode, she's like Clarice. Like, where was Clarice? But the next one, it's like she's Nell. her maverick character. <laughs> yeah, no, Nell. Nell is the next one. Then her maverick character. Then the accused. Yes. And then, panic uh, room. Little man Tate's then mom. Panic room. <laughs> panic room. Yeah, panic yeah, but room then and a panic then Bugsy room. Malone <laughs> and, then, and Taxi and, Driver. It ends with Bugsy Malone and Taxi <laughs> Driver. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, my Tommy gun has bubble gum in it. <laughs> in Cicero. 
of all the towns in uh, Illinois, I think Cicero has the best potential for being, um, you know, lobsters. I, I went to the University of Iowa and Iowa City, and uh, it's right there near the border between uh, Iowa and Illinois. And so, would you believe it, guys? At the University of Iowa, there were more people uh, from Illinois who came over to the university. I was meeting more people from Illinois than Iowa at the University of Iowa. And I get to hear that great accent. And my friends and I, we started like imitating it. But then it became one of those things where when does imitation just become now you have the accent? Yeah. yeah. So, oh man, by my senior year of college, I was like, oh, get that out of my ass. <laughs> You're the only guy who can solve this crime. <laughs> Farina. His Stop name is Stop making good. your crackers, your crackers, and come solve a murder or two. I mean, I, that's good. I got kids with mirror eyes. That's if you had um, a, Carl, a Bob Woodward record and you kind of sped it up a little bit. But <laughs> Let now let's slow, slow it down, down a little bit and see if. It's Bob Woodward. We, the Halderman said to Nixon, and his secretary had go in here, and I'm telling you, this guy's got a bite the size of a yellowfin tuner. Oh, Have you good. met my brother Dennis Franz? He works at the Dulles International Airport security team. Oh my God! If Farina and uh, Franz yeah. Franz got into the same um, room and drank some Franzia wine, <laughs> who would come out? And Purina Catchow. Uh, I'd never like to think you're standing outside the door and you're here. It's like a cartoon. You're crash crash tables getting flipped out and then the doors open and they come out doing a standing 69 <laughs> you're like they worked it out instead of coming out like usually they come out like hey buddy we worked it out they're like we worked it we worked it you guys Ow. instead of instead of betting on who would be the man last man standing it should have been which one's gonna stand in the standing 69 <laughs> your smart money's on me by the way, I'm Dennis Farina, in case that wasn't eminently clear. When you're doing a standing 69, the last man standing is a man trying to last <laughs> while standing. That, my friend, is poetry, okay? If you don't recognize it, maybe you need to go back and make your crackers. Mr. Tooth Fairy, listen, I got to take a leak. <laughs> Do you want to take a leak? Now we can either take a break Or you guys, if you don't have to take a leak Can keep talking I don't give a damn I'll keep talking Alright, I'll can... be back <laughs> He'll be back uh, See you, Dennis Franzina <laughs> See you later Oh my god, they got mirrors on their eyes <laughs> They got freaking mirrors on their eyes With Corley and Ryan 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. With Corley and Rust. Now, uh, Matt did reference it earlier, the sort of uh, Will Grammian. Um, vocalized internal monologue uh which i mean it is ripe for spoofery yeah. but when he gets up in the tree he's like that's what you did <laughs> didn't you you son of a bitch god <laughs> oh it is i mean it's i don't laugh at the moment but what i'm reflecting on it is pretty it funny. is it is there's also like um uh, innovative funny moments in the movie but i think that adds to it sort mm-hmm. of uh unique quality because there's also again <laughs> I don't know I, I, yes. I do laugh at this thinking back as well but when you just hear Tom Noonan's um, softly spoken voice telling Lowndes open your eyes or I'm going to stape your eyelids to the back of your, you know, to your forehead I'm like that's such yeah. a sweet voice to say something horrible that you don't ever and that's the last voice you want to hear saying that you much rather have like a growly, <laughs> screaming voice say that than, than Tom Noonan's softly spoken voice. That's true. All of the killers in the Harris universe, they're such little soft-spoken uh, laddies. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's that when uh, uh, Brian Cox, <laughs> when, oh, he looks so cute when he's lying on the bed with his feet on the, on, he, with his little yeah. socks. He looks so cozy in his socks and when he's ringing... <laughs> Graham and he's like God's terrific he even says it like that he did he's real like he's um, uh, sort of British even though he's Scottish sort of uh, uh, colloquialism yeah. comes in he doesn't say terrific he goes God's terrific and I'm like that That always gets me as well because I'm like that's good it is a very cozy cell yeah it looks like uh, I wouldn't mind spending a Saturday in there. Stark contrast to that—the dungeon that most people associate the Lecter movies with—that you know that they have in all the other ones, where it's like a with Migs in the next room doing what he does. Which hey, watch out for Migs. You don't right. you don't want that shit thrown on you. <laughs> yeah, I guess if Lecter could choose which cell of all the movies he's been in, he'd probably choose the Manhunter one because he's like, I don't got this weirdo next to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, doing his thing. I'm not even gonna mention it, he says. Are we talking about multiple Migs? <laughs> yes. Is that because Yeah, does yeah. Migs exist in the the multiverse of Migs? Uh, only when he um, throws it up. I was that's the that's the multiple Migs right there. It's when he that's where it goes. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. When you uh um uh, Matt um mentioned uh um Previously, I, I just brought it up how you the the monologue stuff that Will does of the like that's what you did you yeah. son of a bitch isn't it yeah. um, the um, the uh, do you um, um, what was I going to ask you Matt what about like, the internal hmm. monologue and uh, how he has that like, these sort of funny moments oh 
I noticed he was doing third person sometimes. Yeah. Where it was like, it sounded like one of those weird short stories where it was like, you went into the bathroom. Oh, yeah, second person. Second person, yeah. yeah. But then I noticed one time he did switch it to I. I think it was when he was like going inside the house and walking yeah, around. Yeah. And he was like, I did this because it was cool inside the room. Yes. Notice also that there is it on purpose that there are little frame skips and frame jumps, or was that just the the version I was watching? But there were times when it was like skip a frame and things would like judder and stuff. I thought it was interesting that the end uh, in the notes it said that the climax is so frenetically edited because of uh, how you, they just yeah. weren't. The last night of shooting was 36 hours and the crew walked out. Yeah. And so they just kind of had to scrape by. And you do see sort of oh. in the last face-off, it's it's pretty frenetic, scrappy. Yeah. yeah, he comes in and he like just sort of kicks him in the face a couple yeah. times yeah. or something. And, and you could have, I could have told you that house was constructed and not an existing location. It looks like it's about to fall down. Yeah, yes. in between like it's the, like all it's corrugated that made it in the, it's like so humid and so hot in there, like some sort of, I can't remember the area, but like a swampy area that they made it in. Yeah. It's like if some brilliant mid-century architect had to make like a, a homeless encampment for himself. <laughs> yeah. For Tom Newton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, but the, um, when he was w- oh, when he was speaking about himself in the uh, first person, it, it's it's the sort of um, basically uh, it's the movie telling us that he's finally um, well as close as he can. He's bridge uh, across that bridge into understanding how Dollarhide thinks. That's why it's as if he's doing the action. Oh. So prior to that, he's like, "You, you son of a bitch! You watch him, you, you, you." But the whole point of his his whole empathy brings him into there and there's another sort of interesting symbolism of did you guys pick up on uh, the turtles in the movie where the importance of the turtles uh, oh do so tell you're like the Will Graham of, of Will Graham Mindhunter watchers <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the, the whole uh, thing about the turtles as, as a sort of uh, subtext for the whole movie is uh, obviously it starts off with his uh, with his son that we've got to build this sort of, um, it's kind of like an encamp- in, in like basically a protection area for the turtles. Right. And at the end of the movie, uh, when uh, Molly, uh, his wife asks him, oh, did the, the turtles make it? And then he goes, oh, most of them did. That is a direct reference to, you know, basically she's asking him, did the families make them? You know, make it, oh, yeah. most of them did. I, I he, did he helped her as like much I as he could. on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, I I noticed that the yeah the movie was bookended with like people on water looking out to water, and then you know uh, uh, he was on a dock when he was like, uh, and his wife came out when he was like, you got to go to Washington and see your dad, bring the kid. Um, and it made me think of my favorite, you know, Michael Mann movie, The Insider. There's a really great scene when uh, Al Pacino's standing like ankle deep oh, yeah. in the ocean and yeah. having a conversation on a cell phone. What do you for you? Um, this is sort of in line with the turtles. What do you think for Michael Mann? The a guy looking out to the water means is it like mm. contemplation or is it like um, uh, I'm at peace or I'm at loss? I don't uh, know. It seems like I think it's like, a fine, like yeah. a fine line because there's that iconic shot in Heat, which is That's when right. Neil McCauley's puts the, he puts the gun down on the table. And then he walks out to look at the the, the absolute ludicrous 
<laughs> massive window that he has and just looking at the ocean in, in the dark blue and the night. Is, is, yeah. You guys live in LA. Is it always that blue at night? Because I don't live there. It's, like, it's always blue. <laughs> is it? If I mean, it is frequently <laughs> blue, but I think that's probably more to do with some kind of pollution okay. haze. Than so, yeah, it's, it's about pollution. I don't know. Pol- when you're at the ocean, it, it usually oh. is, unless it's cloudy. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, I love that blue light, though, in the scenes in the bedroom. Oh, with, yeah. Uh, oh, that's so blue, almost to the point of black So, so you, you, you like, know, you know like with the, the blue, the blue light, um, it was... <laughs> It may have been in Thief, but in definitely in Manunter, uh, his uh, cinematographer introduced him into using blue for romance scenes, and that's where it comes from. So I think it's to do with, uh, and, and he's been using in Heat and all these movies since. Uh, but like, it sort of goes against type because blue isn't really associated with that, but it yeah. kind of works. He's a chill lover, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, to, he's like a cool dude. To quote he's Phil like, Collins, hey, yeah, it's... easy lover, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> And you can feel it coming in the air tonight. The blue. Yeah. You can feel it coming in the parentheses blue air tonight. Like weird parentheses choice. The parentheses uh, say. The parentheses say. <laughs> well, I purchased the parentheses. I had to use them. The um, uh, I, I noticed um some some other people jumped out the the fellow cop. Um, who, who at the very beginning is like, yeah, you gotta, he's Gordy's mean dad from Stand By Me and the guy with like, yeah, oh, Quanto or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Call it his chest. Oh, yes. He popped right. up for a little yeah. bit. And Quanta. then one of the thing Quanta. dudes popped up. Right. The, that's right. Uh, yeah, uh, the guy, uh, with the the guy who's in the snow and he beard. turns that one with the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the, another reason to watch the new season of True Detective. Really? What? Heavy thing vibes. In fact, <gasps> you even see the DVD in the background. Oh, well, yeah. Maybe it's one of the uh, kids from uh, Stranger Things growing up. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, maybe is. the thing is uh, the killer in, in this season. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> It's 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 not a. Uh, anyway, <laughs> right, okay. I mean, say, right. you can imagine by the tone, you probably can figure out what I was going to say, which is something. Along the lines of, you're not far off, my friend, but it just wouldn't come out of my mouth. I'm just getting by. The the uh, bl- black light thing though did make me think, uh, and the blue light when they were like romancing and stuff. Um, when they were in that little lab scene and they were bringing out those lights and stuff, I did kind of just like want to see some like Spencer's Gifts blacklight posters yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with the Inagata DeVito playing. I know. Too and later. Tiger, because you often see the tiger in those blacklight posters. But yeah. that scene with the tiger was amazing. That's probably the biggest um, holding my breath moment yeah. in the whole movie is when she goes and reaches the blind, he brings her to the tiger and then he reaches, she reaches down into his, her lip and does the thing that you wouldn't even do with a cat because yeah, no. a cat wouldn't like it. Yeah. No. What is it? They drugged it, yeah. huh? Probably. They must oh, have, it, but it, but it, it was it was pretty touch and go from Miller. what I heard. Um, again, yeah, really? from these uh, notes as well, he, he <laughs> covered this with Tom Noonan was basically saying, um, oh, you know, they were, the, they were telling him that because he was near the door, um, he'll have to run the other side to get out. But luckily, like, you know, the, the vet and... And uh, uh, you know, Reba were like quick to make the exit if need to be, uh, but Whoa. but he was on the other side. But <laughs> what they're saying is he should be okay. But 
obviously with a cut this size and everything like that, you don't you don't want to drug them too much that they might die. So we think we gave him enough, which is the last thing you want to hear. So he was over there, had to oh act, and they. God. But luckily, nothing happened. But yeah, those are the words that Tom <laughs> Tom Noonan used, where they're like, they're pretty sure they gave him enough to be knocked out. <laughs> That's the same thing they had to do for Dennis for. Yeah. <laughs> To, to, to tone down the accent a little bit. That's not even his full uh, <laughs> Chicago accent, you know. It's at like 85% dial down. You know Joan Allen. Right, right, right. You know Joan Allen was at the start of her career because any actor who had uh, like yeah. five movies under their belt would be like, yeah, I ain't doing that. <laughs> no. you, uh, or like, any actor with a decent agent. <laughs> right? They should have like a clause clause. <laughs> her agent was Jack Hanna. <laughs> who actually required this scene to be put in because <laughs> <laughs> all of his other clients are tigers so he's always pushing ah, he bundles he's pushing he's a, bundle. a little bundle package deal oh. hey uh, I noticed that you wanted to put um, <laughs> what were we talking was the actor that he represents uh, Joan oh, Allen Wait. Joan Allen yeah. I noticed you want to put Joan Allen in the ice storm <laughs> Her son is going to be played by Tobey Maguire. Couldn't that be played by a tiger? <laughs> Oliver, love the idea of Joan Allen for Pat Nixon. And don't get me wrong, Hopkins, he's a great actor. He's okay. He's good. What about an ostrich? <laughs> Johnny Carson loves him. I don't know uh, the, what that means to you, but... He's got... They got Star power, this guy. Oh, but you should have seen him when he um, worked on we, we Bought a Zoo. He made bank that day, honestly. He made so much money. <laughs> um, the movie uh, has uh, a trope that I like, which is the home video footage is shot by Dante Spinotti. Yeah, like, it, it is beautiful. But at least in this one, they they justified it by the kid running up to the camera and kind of adjusting it. Because my thought too was like, come on, what is this? And then the kid runs up and like, maybe he's a maybe he's a junior Dante Spinetti, a budding That's good. Janusz Kaminski. And he's, then he'd hold up a, a drawing of his and it's like way too art directing. Yeah, like, eh, you were close, guys. I know. The, um... The the whole recovering the mindset thing it's pretty. I mean, I love it, yeah. but no other jobs like require no. that. I know. <laughs> oh, you don't know when I edit this, Paul. I go deep into your psyche. <laughs> I walk out of this room, and Amanda's like, "Where's Matt?" <laughs> I noticed a letter was written that it was dated September 22nd, 1986. I want to let you guys know what happened on that date. Oh, please. <laughs> oh. Um, December 22nd, 1986? 1986. I was 13. I was excited about Christmas. Well, it was, and it was a Monday. Okay. Um, you were excited about Christmas? Wait, in September. September. Oh, so, oh well. Well, still. still I thought yes. you said December, but you know what? My, my comment stands. <laughs> Well, I was I was not excited about school. I'm so sure. if if it was January twenty second, nineteen eighty six, still be excited about Christmas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old, yeah. yeah old. Oh yeah. Okay. So this is seventh grade for me. So September what twenty second? Uh, yeah. I'm back in school. I got a big crush on Tara Heiselman. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Did you watch the Challenger in school? This would have nineteen eighty six. Would have the explosion. Been the explosion. I was coming back from the principal's office and I ran into a guy named Ralph, who's everyone called Buddha this kid. And he said, Hey, the challenger just exploded. 
And they went, whoa. Uh, back it up, buddy. What were you doing in the principal's office? You were like, I was uh, destabilizing an O-ring. I was... <laughs> We're going to have to suspend you, Matt, for traveling I down to Cape Cardinal, Florida, messing with that O-ring. for my crimes in the aerospace industry. Um, <laughs> let's just say, I can't tell you what I was there for, but it had to do with some undercover work. I was a narc, okay? <laughs> I was 21 Jump Street in Granada Middle School. But so like Peter DeLuise style, not Johnny Depp style. More Dom DeLuise style. <laughs> Um, the, um, this movie is very, uh, eighties also in a, you know, uh, in its style, of course, but also in like the just assumed luxuries of like (laughs) whipping around in a Lear jet. Yeah. yeah. These guys got deep pockets. Municipal police department. Another thing eighties about this and. I, I think this is going to be maybe a controversial take. I don't know. And I apologize in advance, Umar, because I actually, I love this movie. I really like it. It's high on my list. But this movie, I don't think this movie is cozy at all. I think it's very uh, cold. At all? When you at went all? to the bathroom, we were saying his jail cell felt cozy. Yeah. Electors? Yeah. That stark no, no, white tile cold thing? As far as the other elector one? But also, oh, wait, 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 in the second time that you go back to, well, the third time you go back to the cell where he's ringing, uh, when he calls... Uh, Graham and come on he has his feet up against the wall with his grey socks and he's just talking to him about how God's killing people and he's got not a care in the world I mean come on I don't know I think I I gotta go with the Silence of the Lambs cell as being cozier it's got those stones and the easel to do painting you got a guy tossing semen at you whenever you (laughs) it's warm in a sense I guess Uh, yeah so you're right there yeah. yeah no I and uh I'll, I'll back you. I know you're sticking your chin out here. I'll back you up on it that the it's one of those things where there's nothing in the movie that's cozy. No, Michael Mann films are brilliant, but they're not known for their. Uh, I was but I was just thinking impact might be even cozy. the when yeah. he's going to the supermarket. You don't find that cozy at all. The supermarket. That's a little cozy, yeah, but With the, that has that yeah. sweet Silent Night, Deadly Night type of cozy where you yeah. see all those old cereal labels, like right. you know, in the Toy Story, it's Silent Night, Deadly Night, where you're just like looking yeah. at a Cabbage Patch doll makes you feel good. Absolutely, like seeing those. I think every scene should be in a supermarket. I agree. I, agree. Oh, and, uh, I was just about thinking the of Christmas Vacation well with um, yeah, <laughs> what's the name? The, the sort of knitted tie that yeah, I've never seen a tie like that before or since where it's like knitted and I think it's that like dark red you haven't seen that oh those are big in yeah, the I, yeah I had a I still have one of those yeah th- those yeah. that's a cozy yeah, tie a knitted is, tie is and, cozy uh, and the sort of uh, the sort of sweater he has at the docks like when he changes it those are some yeah, cozy but it's like yes threadbare <laughs> I don't I don't know this one is not a cozy movie for me it's the lighting it's the the personalities, the the setting. Um, I'm trying to. I'm struggling to find anything cozy about this movie as much as I love it. Yeah, because his apartment on the the date night thing could have been cozy, but because he's a cuckoo, the only thing cozy is a sleepy tiger. <laughs> oh, that is very cozy. Purring, Actually, just kind of getting underneath a big yeah. paw. Yeah, nestle it up. Um, uh, a few days ago, I nestled up next to my. A dog, and I was like, I bet 
if I think about the warm parts that are touching me right now, I'll fall asleep. And did you? And I was like, well, her neck on me is warm and her stomach next to me is warm. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, it was nice. It was like a little like a uh, um, water, hot water. Hot water yeah. bottle. The hot water bottle just made me think of old timey stuff. It made me think of Matt. I didn't tell you, uh, Umar, I'll fill you in as well. Last week I went and saw nine to five at the new Beverly. Oh, I didn't know they showed it. Yeah. Oh, it was fun. Oh my God. It was good times. Oh, that's, that's nice. How did it play in a theater? Um, lots of laughs. And, um, that's why I went. Cause I was like, Ooh, I want to laugh yeah. with an audience. Um, the, uh, Dolly got, uh, Dolly Parton got like a, a an applause break for a line oh, that, that was awesome oh, when yeah. she's like I'm gonna turn you into a from a rooster into a hand <laughs> yeah. and everybody applauded so oh, that was good brilliant. but um, uh, Matt sent me a picture of his father and he was like Dabney vibes <laughs> oh more than that I yeah Dabney Dabney <laughs> Coleman I was I was back at my dad's for a bit and there's a picture of him in the 80s on the fridge and I snapped a photo looks so much like Dabney Coleman <laughs> crazy <laughs> Dadney Dadney Cole. I like that one. I like that Dadney. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I've I've got. What else do you guys got? Because I'm I'm out of notes, but I'm not out of love for this movie. Oh, uh, oh yeah. I have just have a few more notes. One is that um, when they tackled that guy, um, I forget the moment, but a guy gets like tackled, yeah. and as he's being taken Why you away, slow motion. He's yeah, yeah, I say that all the he's time. Just, I say that all the time. I don't know what. Uh, like I know where it's from, but I say that all the time when someone's yeah. not moving fast enough and they look at me as if like, what are you, what are you saying, Gummer? But I'm like, it's from, oh, never mind, never mind. <laughs> yeah, what you moving in slow motion for, man? I'm being yeah. hugged. But I thought it was a, kind of a curious line because wasn't the scene just in slow motion? Yeah. Because the SWAT yeah. guys are taken, they, they come in and it's also what a response of like, someone getting mugged. You get 20 armed SWAT members storming the whole scene and you're like, yeah, this, this is a apt response for a mugging. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that he was like uh, breaking the fourth yeah. wall going yeah. like, <laughs> that movie was in slow motion for a moment there, right? Am I crazy? Why are you guys lit in such stark blue and red from opposite <laughs> angles? Uh, the uh, uh, a couple lines that I thought were great uh, along with that was, you're an ant in the afterbirth. Whoa. Yes. Oh, and time is luck. Ooh, that That's was good. good and you owe me all. How he delivers it There's with very, his very giant hands. Detective vibes. I, I, I wonder how yeah. big his hands yes. would be compared to the 007 <laughs> oh, yeah. scale. The, the Q. The when he's torturing one. that journalist, though, that's like how I imagine like Army Hammer was able to get good press. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? Like he like tortures him. He's like, don't tell people oh, yeah. that I eat humans. And they're like, I won't, Mister Hammer. I'll write a glowing puff. And he's like stretching him out. I'll write a glowing puff piece, Mister Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and then they un like uh, when you pull a. Um, uh, a window shade, shade and yeah. it goes <laughs> <laughs> doing a lot of cartoon imagery today guys oh another great image that flaming wheelchair yeah. yes holy I shit I mean spoiler alert that's a BK meaning best yeah. kill for me right there. Ooh, that is the best kill I'm glad you reminded it's sudden yeah 
I, I feel like a Spielberg would kind of work up to that no, moment, no, but it's right. sort of like just a cartoon. I, I, I was, I was thought about that poor security guard who's like, yeah, yeah, I'm here at the National Tatler yeah. just sort of sitting and, hmm, someone's got a barbecue down the road. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, there seems to be something on fire. Leeds is not moving. Holy shit, it's coming right towards me at an alarming pace. I'm going to run away. <laughs> and as he's running away, he's like, this was my day off. <laughs> I retired from homicide for death. <laughs> when you said he smelled it, that, and he was like, hmm, something's cooking. That's like how I'd like to think the guy who's on fire in the wheelchair first started. You know, as it like, like oh, when it was burning his yeah, foot, he, he was like, mm, something like smells good. <laughs> What's he cooking, Doc? <laughs> mm, smells pretty good. Wabbit stew. Oh, my God. Wapporta stew. <laughs> um, uh, when your dad is Will Graham, you know, it sucks when your dad's work like moves you around. When your dad's job moves you around because a killer's after you. Wait, you mumbled that. When your, dad's- <laughs> <laughs> when your dad's work also makes a killer come after you. That's oh, yeah. pretty. That's a shitty dad job. <laughs> um, shitty dad jobs with Mike Rowe. <laughs> oh, there's a little bit of a werewolf thing. Like, I like some of the yeah. dialogue be like, six more days till the I full know. moon. I like that too. I mean, this movie's got it all. The ticking time bomb. Yes. Uh, only this I'm guy can do it. Of, it almost seems like, it's like your parents fighting when you have uh, Dennis Farina and Will Peterson screaming at each other at the end. I'm like, don't fight. Come on, you're meant to be on the same team. And he's like, yeah. you're fucking right, I'll do it again. And all this shit. Like, oh, whoa, whoa. You only hear the F-bomb. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Four or five times in this whole movie, and you're using half of them right here. <laughs> Calm down, guys. You understand? <laughs> well, you know, the thing I do love is they're they're fighting about. They're not. They, I, I we've talked about this before. I love it when a supervisor is helping. That they're not just like a stumbling block or some kind of obstacle. But these two are working together, and it's so refreshing that every time Will Graham says, "I need this," that Dennis Farina's first words are. You got it. Basically. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. yeah. Chop on the roof. That's true. That's just such a like cheap screenwriting trick to just put a character that solely exists as an obstacle. Um, I think the whole sequence, I, I agree with you. The, the sequence with the toilet paper, that little like hunk is really great. I love the whole um, section of the discovery of him going in and discovering the mirrors and the eyes thing and the green glowing eyes of the yeah. woman. Oh yeah. It's that, like the same uh, reflective tape or screen stuff that they wear in Superman. You know, it looks like Marlon Brando's costume. Aluminum foil yeah. costume. Yeah. yeah. They're like reflective tape. Um, and I like the, the spookiness of that combined with the home video vacation footage stuff is, it's really good. The um, even that it just reminds me of the opening, like um, putting yourself in the position of being like the intruder in somebody's house is pretty. Yeah, creepy. just yeah. What, this is one has note on home this, invasion stuff. One note I guess. on this is I uh, just find it really interesting. I know this wasn't done on purpose, but you have gone from one hour photo to this movie. Hmm. Oh, and like Sai and what am I missing? You can imagine like Sai working because uh, oh, Gateway yeah. Lab is where Dollarhide works, and they even say at the end, so like, oh, oh right. where did it come from? You know, Bob's. Oh no, they send it out to a, 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 a you know, like a. Um, they send it out. You know, small companies send their films out, so you can imagine Sai probably sent it out to Dollarhide, 
and that's where your yeah. connection is. Shared universe. They work in conjunction. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, the Get yeah. Those two together in a standing sixty-nine. <laughs> Please. Um, the yeah, and then that ending. Um, I mean, uh, uh, what was? It is a freeze frame with credits going over it. What was the movie? We, it reminded me. The movie we watched that it, they were like, the producer insisted on that. Right. I can't Insist. remember. Was it like Days of Thunders? Oh, my God. I, I forget what it was, but uh, there seemed to be... Um, that seems like a like Don Simpson kind of... <laughs> or was it even uh, in the secret, in the bedroom window? Because... There was a freeze now frame at the end of that like, one, I believe, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, did De Laurentiis just have an edict... Of yeah. freeze frames, freeze frame endings. Or maybe he's like, if we don't do a dissolve, we'll save, you know, 38. It'll add to the runtime. It'll add to the runtime, something like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that whole um, chase and getting to him at the end, um, just, that's uh, real good. I yeah. love it. Um, Umar, to, to wrap this up, do you want to talk briefly about the alternate endings and, and how that all came about. Please. Yeah. Seems yeah. To be um, a little uh, bit one thing I want to say is, uh, well, thanks for letting me be on the show. And this is, it's just been as great as I thought it'd be. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, yeah hopefully it just turns out great and everything like that. Um, uh, just, just to give a shout out to, um, it was a hoot to, uh, George. I think you did a episode on his podcast as well. Uh, best little horror house in Philly where you talked about, uh, psycho two. Uh, the original, yeah. oh, Psycho, yeah, yeah, Psycho. Psycho, yeah. But uh, that that podcast rules. It's good that you're bringing yeah, that I, up. I, 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 spoke, uh, I talked about Manunter on his a few years ago, and, and I'm pretty sure it's one of his oh. longest longest episodes. I could have spoke for longer. I, I'm I'm trying to be restrained here. I can talk for hours about this movie. I won't because I know we have. Well, it's good to know that exists out there as like a, a companion. You know, a yeah. Image. Yeah, companion. Well, you get to listen to a a, a great uh, podcast, and then also get to hear more of your insights. That's no, good. yeah, that's good. Um, but with this one, the alternative endings, I think there's four altogether. You got the initial Jeez. cut, um, but but they all the two main differences are between uh, the, the version that has been like restored since like 2003, which is known as the or, you know just the theatrical cut. Uh, because there's uh-huh. two versions of the theatrical, but there's theatrical cut, but there's not much differences there. However, there's a director's cut, and there's also a definitive. Uh, I think it's called definitive <laughs> director's cut. The differences we're getting in a blade. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. If I'll be honest, the theatrical theatrical cut is my go-to because, for one thing, it has that shot of the elevator, the glass elevator going up. I love that shot. You're in the famous hotel that's in so many movies. Um, Yeah. What's called one of the Hunger Games or something like that. (laughs) A Mm -hmm. a little story about that is uh, a friend of of mine who's a flight attendant, uh, she went over to that hotel and she took a picture of it and just put it on her Instagram and and just shared it. And I was like, oh, that's that's such a... I said, oh, that that hotel's been in movies. And she goes, yeah, yeah, it's been in the Hunger Games. I was like... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. All right, never mind. <laughs> no, I feel like that's the Man Hunter southern, southern sister to the Bonaventure Hotel. Yeah. That, that yes. Hotel. Yeah, but but the main the main difference is, well, well, the ending of the movie is different than the book regardless uh, because without spoiling, well, uh, you know, it's in the novel where there's a sort of fake out ending where... Um, <laughs> 
this is in yeah, Red Dragon. It's, it's right? the ending of Red Dragon. If I'm being honest, yeah. the book is good. I do recommend the book, but the ending, I, again, I prefer Manhunters where it's just succinct. And I guess when they say, you know, restrictions sometimes are good and they you get you get mm-hmm. better results, Harvey, or whatever. But the the original ending is there, there's a, I think it's like a petrol, uh, what do they call it? Like a, a gas station attendant. Yeah. A gas station. That's it. Mm-hmm. And there's one who's sort of leering at, uh, uh, at Dollarhide's girlfriend Reba McLean he's sort of leering at her while Francis knocks him out puts him in the boot uh, and then when he's going on his rampage uh, at, at his house he sets the whole house on fire but then he substitutes his body with this flight attendant not flight well, sorry, sorry gas attendant whatever they call and then they come in and they find out that oh he's dead but then what happens is he, he stalks down Will Graham and then he attacks him at his house and then it's like a final right. act sort of scramble. And then uh, it's actually Will Graham's wife who shoots him dead. And that's the end of the movie. I'm <clears> like, <throat> that that works as a book. It's really good in the book. But in a two-hour movie, it, I, that, that's why I kind of think that, it, it, you know, it, it is said that it's due to uh, filming restrictions and budgetary restrictions that they didn't go down this end. But if I'm being honest, I, I think probably Michael Mann just thought, let's have a big bombastic sort of ending. Uh, where he just come in the guy to Vita, which which is actually inspired by like a uh a, a Dwayne I forgot the name of the serial killer, but a serial killer that was actually in Chicago that used to play this music all the time when he stalks wow. one that, that Michael Mann actually knew because obviously he's a weird guy like that. Wow. Kinda of like you know like how like Friedkin is who like wow. just love cavorting with these C D guys and he took inspiration yes. from that. So I do like this ending better. Yeah, and that he wanted to be Friedkin Dollarhide, no, right? Uh, Friedkin uh, was going to, uh, there's, there's talks out, uh, well, Friedkin was saying that he was in talks to be <laughs> Lecter. Um, Lecter, yeah, that's right. Uh, but um, huh. like even Man is like saying, it's up for yeah, debate. Yeah, it's up for yeah. debate. But I, I, you know, I like to believe that it was talked about because it would have been hilarious because you know they hate each other. <laughs> it would have been fantastic. <laughs> but, but, but but yeah, I, I'm glad they didn't do that ending in the movie because just a bit better. if the movie was going to have to require to be two hours, the stuff that would have to get sacrificed is all the fun. Yeah, the stuff I love the most, the atmosphere, like just having kind of an yeah. extended. Because gone back five to minutes Florida of music and, and the, and this, this yeah. setting would have been different to where you've been for most of the movie, and and the director's cut yeah. also has this extra scene at the end where. Um, where Graham goes to visit the next family. Uh, it looks as if, like, you know, someone drop, goes into the house, he he walks out of the taxi and he just visits the family and, you know, where he's a bit scarred. That doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, that, that was my reaction as well. I was like, yeah. he didn't need it. <laughs> like, it was, it was good at yeah. how it was with um, with uh, Dennis Farina sitting down at the side and Red Seven's heartbeat kicking in. I thought that was perfect. We didn't need... Yeah, this extra scene, uh, but that, that's like the main sort of differences. Yeah. If, if I'm being honest, this is one that the, they should have just left yeah. with the theatrical cut. The yeah. Tooth Fairy escape is a lot like uh, what Hannibal Lecter does, I guess, in Silence of the Lambs, which is he swaps a body to be able to get to yeah. break out to be yeah. able to. But what were you gonna say? Oh, nothing. Oh, I was um, just enthralled in your baby. <laughs> what well, should we do? Best kill? Let's do it. For me, it's the wheelchair. I'll do wheelchair, yeah. Uh, I'll say dollar hide. 
Yeah. Yeah, it is a pretty good. The reason why I like that as well is because that sort of uh, initial conversation that uh, Graham has with that weird gun guy where he says one stop will uh, will stop anyone. I'm pretty sure Dollarhide takes out uh, seven from a six gun revolver, yes. which is insane. Oh, I didn't uh, put that together. I love those that bag of little magic <laughs> yeah. bullets that he gave. The blue. I didn't put it together that he had to put this guy down. It's like a putting a tiger to sleep. You got to give him five of these bullets. <laughs> I didn't even put that together. And they were fake. Um, uh, Brantley's notes said that they were they weren't real. Uh, no, yes, they were tomato like, tubes. Tubes, yeah, yeah, yeah ketchup. ketchup. Basically, that's what Band of Brothers did. They had pneumatic tube squibs too. Oh wow! And and, and another uh, reason why I'm picking that one as well is when he had the amount so much blood on the floor. Um, <laughs> it, it took him so long to get out of there because the corn starch or whatever it is that they use for fake blood just melted to the ground and it melted onto him. So when you look at one of the shots, there's like a continuity error where when they have the part when uh, Will Graham's walking over, um, it, the blood isn't there anymore because again, it was like filming issues and they couldn't get that shot. And, and even, Oh my yeah. God. Ah. So it's, it, it, the, that, the, um, that's funny because in the, the documentary on heat that you can watch online, um, they visit the apartment where Danny Trejo dies yeah. And they talked to the owners and they said, when we bought it, there was a big stain underneath the carpet and it was because of the blood from Danny Trejo having to bleed out on the floor. It's like, Michael Mann, figure out how you're going to have people die on floors without uh, ruining them. This is before the advent of what is now industry standard and that is these little plastic lay down puddles of blood that are (gasps) completely dry. I did an episode of that show Blind Spot where I was like the bad guy and got shot and had to lie down on this lab floor on one of these, two of these things, I think. And they come in all different sizes and shapes. Whoa. And like, it was so great. I feel like I, I can't remember. I think I'm imagining this. I think they were just on the ground when I arrived to the set, but I imagine that a guy shows up with a cabinet of different sized, <laughs> you know, or like a giant, you know, canvas portfolio of what, what are you looking at? A three foot circumference or we want to just do an 18 incher, you know? <laughs> Is it uh, bullets, knives? Yeah. Like, what killed this person? Sledgehammer? Well, we'll uh, read Baby Xenomorph's next episode. Let's uh, give us our rankings. Umar, it's guest's pleasure. Why don't you go first? I have a feeling I know what it is. On a scale of 1 to 13. And 13 is the highest, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, I'll go with that then. 13. Okay. Right. Ooh, 13. Paul? Uh, I'll give this movie... Uh, ten and a half. Yeah. Nice. I'm going to go 11.5. 11.5. 11 yeah. Ooh. Very respectable scores. Yeah. For an average of? Oh, boy. Of 11. Somewhere around 11. Well, you're yeah, no, I'm literally just thinking here. Well, while, while we're looking at the oh, numbers, okay. <laughs> there is one one thing that we just need to address. Um, room 237. It never got a ranking. Oh, is 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 that, is, right? is, is that yeah, right? I, I, I can't find it in the recording. Oh my god! Oh the my shining god! Rankings Thank are you, incomplete. Umar. Oh my god! Well, let's cover that. Oh, I got to give it a, 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 a. You know, I like it, so I'll give it a ten. Yeah, I'll give it a ten there as we well. Go. Where does this put um a, a Manhunter now in the average of uh, scores? Safely between. Let's see. I'm uh, just gonna Nightmare Three. And uh, <laughs> so Manunta is in the top uh, 33, but you do have so many movies to cover. Okay. It's it's in between Halloween 3 and Scream 
2022, which is not bad. It is. Feels okay. Okay, okay. Feels okay, yeah. <laughs> well, Umar, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Thank thank you. Pleasure. My really pleasure. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, looking forward to the rest of this season. So up next yeah. is Silence of the Lambs. We'll Ooh. see how quiet they actually yeah. are. Yeah, I think those lambs might actually scream. I know. So um, thanks again for listening. And for those of you that subscribe, for subscribing, we'll be back in two weeks, everybody. Yeah, bye-bye. Right, bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash withgorleyandrust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Gorley, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.